Good evening, Starling City, and welcome to yet another Starling City Radio, brought to you, of course, by myself, Alistair Kennedy, and your other host, Ross Shaw. And uh, tonight, I believe this is now episode 17, 17 whole weeks of this show you've been enjoying, or not enjoying, let us know either way. Um, tonight, we've got The Road to Jericho, Judd Winnick's final um, Green Arrow book in the run that we've been covering so far. Um, we've got a uh, seeing red one of well we'll get into what I felt about the episode later and uh, Ross do we have a character well I think Connor Hawk could be a decent Ooh, one to maybe just have a, a, no, maybe not that. as as big an in-depth discussion as usually but mm-hmm. I feel that he might need to be covered considering um, certain events that transpired oh, yes. over the course of the episode so I Which think that's made fitting. me moist <laughs> well, I've got a couple of uh, a couple of theories myself as well. I've been sort of trolling them around in my head, so it'll be interesting to see what discussion we get out to tonight. So, so yes. but before we kick off all that, we've got a question we forgot to cover, but we'll start off with a bit of news, Ross. What did we get hit with this week? Well, I mean, it's big news because it was official news. I mean, we all kind of knew it was going to happen at some point, but DC and Warner Brothers have announced that. Justice League is going to come straight off the back of Man of Steel oh, 2. There's been, there's been kind of, I know exactly, It's basically, everyone's been looking forward to it, everyone knows it was going to happen, but we were just waiting for that official, you know, um, a comment from DC Warner Brothers. Now, there's been conflicting reports, I think Latino Review are saying that it's supposed to be due out in May 2017, a good ye- the year after Man of Steel 2, but others are of more official places of news are saying it's more likely to be 2018. Either way, it looks like Man of Steel 2 is shaping up to be the platform for Justice League, which coincides with the fact that Cyborg was also cast for Man of Steel 2. So it's, it's, it's kind of relieved me a wee bit with all these castings, and I was paying that they would just be cameos, or this film was going to be Justice League. Now that they've said they're filming it back-to-back, that it, it works out perfectly, because obviously they might have some cameos, I think, and then obviously branch out more in the full-on Justice League. What yeah, are you definitely. hoping to see from it, though, Ross? What is, what is the main thing you want it to do? I'd like to see, I'd like to see the film be the formation, as in the um, the end of Man of Steel two could be a sort of whatever transpires in Man of Steel two could be the um, the signal that uh, that that Earth needs needs a sort of body of heroes and whatever body of heroes will be cameoed or brought together at the end of Man of Steel 2 will be the formation of the Justice League. So the first Justice League film would literally just be two, two and a half hours of all these different personalities clashing together for the first time and them trying to put them aside to concentrate on saving the world. A bit like how the new 52 Justice League uh, Origins um, uh, went on to, in the sense that, you know, they didn't like each other, but they knew that their one directive was to save Earth from Darkseid, I think it was. So I'd like to see something like that, you know. I've got a funny feeling that Man of Steel 2 might finish in a dark tone between Superman and Batman, for example. And I think quite a lot of the heroes that might be cameoed in might not like each other, so it could set up a very interesting conflict of characters uh, for the Justice League movie. I kind of have faith, and I think I, as a fan, I'm throwing out so many theories, and I've got so many interesting ways that they could do it. That, but I've got quite sort of some faith in uh, Zack Snyder. Hopefully, with him dealing with some more grounded characters than just brawling Superman, it might bring him to tone it down a little bit with the city destroying. So, yeah. Well, I'm just hoping that it's not as watered. 
well, they've got to sell toys off the back of it, but DC are known to tell, take more risks than Marvel, and even the the movie could be rated 15 or 18 and they'll still release toys. I, I want it to have a more adult tone than Avengers did. You know? Yeah, I, th- I think Justice League is perfect for that. You know, I think, I mean, you know, you have the dark brooding Batman. You also mm-hmm. have the sort of the warrior female and Wonder Woman, you know, who isn't like, who isn't still as, I know Black Black Widow was like sort of the warrior ninja style thing for Marvel, but obviously like Wonder Woman is very sort of crass in her upbringing in the sense that, you know, she yeah. comes from a very ruthless background from being like a Greek warrior and all that stuff, and well, Amazon sort of warrior. Yeah. And then you have Cyborg, who has this torture thing between his, well, Victor Stone and his dad, and the fact that he is a teenager, well, late teens, who's trapped yeah. in a cyborg body. So there's quite a lot of adult themes that they can explore, a bit more adult than uh, Avengers could have been done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got quite some faith to it. It'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, it's four years away if it is a 2018. Yeah, release so quite a lot could work out and i think man of steel 2 will hinge on how we're going to see this adult themed justice league if it does become that so and do you know the best thing is like we predicted justice league is coming out after arrow season five yeah about green arrow i was having this discussion at work and everyone yeah. obviously comes up to me and says you must be hoping that green arrow will appear in justice league and i said well if he does appear in justice league I kind of hope it's not Stephen Amell. Now, just wait. Now, this might be seen as sacrilege for us Arrow fans of saying that. I just feel that hopefully maybe by season, five seasons of Arrow, Stephen Amell has gained enough experience as an actor to be able to rub shoulders with the likes of um, Ben Affleck, uh, uh, Henry Cavill, Gal Godot, and all those stuff. Really? Those needs are to build up to well that as well and i mean the 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 guy who's been um cast in cyborg come from a theater background as well which is sort of highly regarded still in the industry Mm. uh than television so you know being up against those people maybe they're waiting for that long to see if the likes of grant gustin as well as Stephen amal can rub shoulders if not a good theory could be we could see an older Green Arrow, like recast as an older version of Green Arrow, which could then set up the fact that the movie universe could be set 20 years in the future from the television universe, which could mean mm-hmm. that the TV series could still have its own storylines and can still have its own universe, yet it's set, well, maybe not as far as 20 years, but maybe 10, 15 years ahead of time would be quite interesting well yeah because you could see it that way because it's an older batman as well so you would reckon if there's an older batman and an older green arrow that would work out but here's my theory as well ross obviously flash might be recast right um but see with arrow i I would say ammo would be able to uh, rub shoulders but that's just a personal opinion uh, i definitely think he could as well but i'm just sort of looking at the studio's point of view that maybe right now they think that he might not be able to True, yeah, but the way that I see it, right, here's another way to look at it. What Green Arrow wasn't always a central member of the Justice League. So what if it's just like a, a part cameo as in a here you go Arrow fans, a nice wee nod, like, you know, like yeah. almost That's he just true. comes in and then he goes, nah, I'm not doing this, and walks yeah. off. It could even be that, or even in like the Batcave, could just mm. be like a flash up of Stephen Amell's headshot along with mm. Grant Gustin's headshot. When he's thinking about who he can pull f- together for the Justice League. Yeah. Sort of thing, yeah. Well, obviously, the Flash would have to be recast, unless Grant Gustin is deemed worthy, which if he's deemed worthy, then by God, Stephen Amell should Amel, be. Yeah. But obviously, Flash is one of the 
you know, the founders of the Justice League, you know. No, I think so, that guy might surprise us, though, because see from his two episodes on screen, like, I had my doubts with this guy's background, obviously, coming from Glee, and seeing him as Flash, and it, they played it off really well. And it, you remember, like, this is obviously going to be filming next year, year after, sort of 2015 late. So Gustin yeah. aged slightly. And, I mean, they've got techniques now to make actors look older, not that he really does, but... They could always play it different, so they've got the brooding, like almost like Superman and Batman are the fathers of the Justice League, like they should be, whereas like the other ones are the younger ones. Maybe not Arrow, because he can be made to look older with a goatee and stuff, but like Flash and Cyborg, they can be seen as the ones they have to rein in, you know? Yeah, that that could be quite interesting, and and also the fact that maybe Batman could be like, I'm not trusting these young folk, and mm. maybe whoever they cast as Aquaman could be on the same wavelength as, as Batman, whereas yeah, like Wonder Woman... I have heard of the Matt Damon rumours. But I've also heard that the guy who plays Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones, I can't mm. remember his name, I've heard he's been cast in an undisclosed role for um, Man of Steel 2 and Justice League. I would love to see him as like uh, Aquaman because he's got the building in Game of Thrones. He looked like a, well, he was king. <laughs> he could yeah. pull off a very ruthless and- Aquaman. They did say that an early script that was leaked, or apparently leaked, did have the King of Atlantis in Man of Steel 2. So, it would be badass, and oh, what would be even better would be the New 52 did a whole storyline uh, uh, where Aquaman uh, yeah. fought against the Justice League. That would be badass. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I think, I think following along with the New 52 Justice League is the right way to go. Use that as a basis, you know, the Volume 1, because that was a great yeah. start, you know. And having them all, like you said, apart from Batman and Superman meeting. But I don't know if it went in a dark note. I think it went in a, they've realised they've had to work together, but they didn't actually win. The Whoever they use as the villain or the main protagonist is still out there. And I mean, there's still the rumours of um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson being cast as, and he's mentioned Doomsday, but a lot of folk are saying he could be, um, what's the Green Lantern's name? John Stewart. Yeah. I mean, I, I would mind. I would mind seeing John Stewart. You know, rather, I know Hal Jordan was the original, but well, yeah. Alan Scott was. But yeah, Hal Jordan was the original that everyone knows about. And and you know, like John Stewart would be a, a different take, especially considering Green Lantern still quite sort of in fresh in everyone's minds. And I know it does need a reboot, but the John Stewart could be a good wee take down it. And it well, could. It'd be interesting. I mean, there's so many possibilities, and there's so many ways to go for but i reckon sticking along the lines of new 52 is the right way to go especially considering now that that's dc's new canon and in all honesty we should really be forgetting what happened like pre-new 52 oh yeah so hopefully these films might acknowledge that as well and push people forward into that that so that would be good but like the one thing that i do think is and i know you're just gonna laugh if they do use john stewart that means that hal jordan can turn up in arrow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see you just writing an open letter to warbers and go look i don't care who you're gonna use. yeah even use guy gardner just as long as you give hal jordan to cw <laughs> yeah we just want this road trip to happen <laughs> the, the one thing that did make me think that you're possibly right that arrow may be getting recast is there was news from one of the studio heads oh forgive me i can't remember his name but he did say that he is happy enough with he, he they're doing that the the statement was they're taking the anti marvel slash disney stance in a way that they don't feel everything has to be connected they feel that characters can coexist with um different incarnations 
on different mediums, you know, and yeah. the mediums suit the character. So we might never see Green Arrow on screen, but if we do, it might not necessarily be um, our Arrow, which yeah. is fine, I suppose, you know? I mean, yeah, I think maybe if you spoke to us 17 episodes ago, we were quite vehemently wanting to make sure that yeah. the two things are com- to combine. And again, I, I know we all have wee cheap digs at the other uh, TV show agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that are out there, but in all honesty... Watching his and it is getting it to become a cracking show. But in all honesty, now imagine how many like balls you'd have to juggle in terms of making sure that everything you did in the film fitted with the TV, and, and then you'd have to make sure that the TV had to fit in with the film as well. You know, but does that mean, like, say, for example, some it, it could happen? But I can see it would give them a lot of flexibility if they did keep it separate. And and so far, CW have proven, and hopefully, Fox will prove with maybe Gotham and also Constantine anyway. But so far, the TV side of things has shown that they can they can handle DC characters without really needing films to prop them up. So it's going to be quite an interesting and exciting time for DC fans like ourselves um, as yeah. to what's going to uh, transpire. So it'll be interesting. So It's a good time to be a comic fan. It really is. So I mean, we waited good. long enough for this to become mainstream and now everybody's jumping on it. I'm glad, but I just wish some of them would hurry up, man. <laughs> you know, Next uh, it'll be a video game renaissance and we'll start getting decent video <laughs> games. Touch wood. Yeah, <laughs> Woods after the one I played tonight and last night and finished in under eight hours just about yeah Spider-Man I'm looking at you <laughs> um yeah so we'll move on so that any other news that we've got Ross uh not really the only thing that came up was the it was Nissa. yep we finally got um confirmation that in the final season finale of Unthinkable Nissa returns and according to Andrew Kreisberg the producer it's looking likely it's going to be Arrow, Canary, Roy, and the League of Assassins versus Slade and his Mirakuru army for the city. So that sounds quite interesting to see how that comes about. That, that so. ties in with your prediction that the city could be left in absolute tattles, not just an area like like you said. And was it the last book we read? Yeah, uh, from where, yeah, and it was like that image could be put on screen quite easily, and then season three, Arrow could just be having to rebuild the city while keeping crime, you know, which I mean, it'd be, just erupt. Yeah. It'd be quite interesting considering season one, well, season two is all about the destruction of one area, the Glades. Season three could be the destruction of the city. We'll say the the Glades and the Queen family were never were disliked within the city. It could even season three could be the destruction of the city and Arrow himself is now disliked and maybe he has to take some time off to to rebuild and come back as a stronger character in order to prove to the city he can actually take care of them where he failed previously. That could be quite an interesting take for season three if yes. it transpires as we're thinking, you know. Here's one that kind of, it, it was something that, I, an article, it was quite well written that I read today, and it kind of ties in with, like, you know how Arrow and the Dark Knight trilogy are kind of this new, based in reality sort of uh, version of our heroes. It's more believable. They're saying, and this ties in with what I'm about to say, are secret identities really needed for vigilante-style heroes like Arrow and Batman and such? Maybe Batman more, yes, but see, like, your street-level ones, say, like mm-hmm. Daredevil, like are, are they really needed? Um, because I'm at some point during the Arrow books, Ollie just doesn't care who knows he's Green Arrow, and I'm quite sure this might happen uh, at some point in the series that most people just accept that Green Arrow is Ollie. Um, but do you think they're needed? Don't you think they're needed? Does it depend on the situation? It depends on the situation. I think part of me thinks that it's needed because 
we've grown up with comic books and the comic book world and people having secret identities and that's the whole sort of that's a whole one whole section of that character is the fact that they're juggling with a secret identity and and it's the fact that nobody knows who they are and and say for example likes of batman it would never work because that takes away the whole fact that batman is supposed to be an urban legend and unknown the moment you put a face to that urban legend he loses all that however with the likes of green arrow who isn't as dark and brooding as batman could possibly you know disregard his secret identity maybe not come out publicly and state that he is arrow but possibly like have that way where if somebody figures it out it's not like a big deal he's not going to do a batman and try and like mind wipe him mind you that wasn't batman but (laughs) (laughs) but but, you know i I can see that that could be an interesting sort of take and i could see marvel being more likely to go down that route considering that all happened in the civil war side of things well tony stark and iron man movies as well at the end of the yeah exactly i mean we've already seen it happen in the movies and it it does still fit in so it'd be quite interesting to see how that works out and i think it could bring up some good debate within the the film the movie universes about what what it is to be a hero do you need to be a have a mask to become a hero and um, we could see the you know the face of Stalin say it could just become Oliver Queen rather than the face of Stalin say being yeah. the vigilante. So it'll be interesting to see how he does it work out. But that's a good point, a good debate, and it's yeah. something to come back to if we start slowly seeing that path getting take like going down yeah. to. So yeah, we can but, discuss that at a later date. Yes. So um, we'll move on anyway. We've got a question that we'll do before we go into a comic. Uh, Ross, we'd lost it in the depths of Facebook. And uh, Ross found it earlier. What was the question, Ross? The question was from a friend of ours, Andy Urquhart. And he says, how much is Thea's life worth to each of you? (laughs) That's quite an interesting question, considering some of the feelings towards that character. (laughs) If if, if you've been listening to the show, Mr Urquhart, uh, you'll know (laughs) that I wouldn't throw 10 pence to save her. I want her out of the TV show. In real life, don't don't hold me. In real life, I would probably maybe try and save her if it didn't put me at risk. I'm not a superhero. But <laughs> in the TV show, I would not miss her. I wouldn't pay to save her. But I'm not her brother or lover or anything to do with her. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean... Uh... I mean, a couple of episodes ago, I'd have been totally 100% in your corner. But after a while, I mean, but she I'm, she is becoming becoming to serve no purpose. And I could see her being the next one getting knocked off if there are deaths and other deaths in Arrow. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Me personally, yeah, I'll probably be like, what's in it for me before I save her? Like, if it's that sort of like snap decision, I wouldn't be able to make it because I'll be too busy trying to weigh out the options and what what profit I could make out of it. <laughs> My yeah, God, basically. I'm such a bad human being. <laughs> We've already, I think we already discussed that me and Ross would both end up just super villains, more or less. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would happen. I'm pretty like, well, at first I might start out good and then I'll just get yeah. corrupted by the power and just become like crazy ass bank robber and realizing <laughs> what to do. So you'd be the shocker. You'd be Herman Schultz. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for that question. Keep them coming. If we've missed yours, please, please remind us um, because we, we're busy, guys. Um, so the comic this week, Ross, was titled Road to Jericho by Mr. Judd Winnick. Um, this is, like we said, the last in the series. Follows on from last week's, which didn't sit well, too well with me, where he developed was, all these Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, it was 
He's, he's gone down the Arrow Winds route, though, and like we discussed last week, we're not going to get into that again. But anyway, this book um, starts them off after the aftermath. Or, no, it's not after aftermath. Is this it's kind of set one year later or something? Well, it's kind of it's set during, like, in Cron Through the Wreckage, we pick up a year later and all yeah. of our queen is mayor. This sort of fills in the blanks with what happened within that year. Yeah. I mean, before we get really into depths into our, our comic book analysis, I think it's a good time to sort of like review as well overall how Judge Winnick has done this. I mean, we've covered now 75 issues of this whole like realize. I mean, that's quite that's a quite that's a hefty chunk. I mean, it's been it's been a pretty strong storyline from Kevin yeah. Smith all the way up. It really has, and I wouldn't like take anything major away from it, you know. And uh, it's not perfect, of course, you know. And I feel that sometimes it kind of it moves things a lot too quickly, and you don't get a chance to sort of digest and and evaluate what's actually going on. Like one minute he's fighting Brick, next minute he's friends with Brick. You know, one minute he's doing this one, what you know, one minute he's he's about to propose to Black Canary but doesn't do it. Next minute he's having sex with his best friend. <laughs> it's, it's like what the hell's happening, you know? But I mean, the whole family idea of the Arrow thing, Judge Winnick has done really well to sort of strengthen that out, and you really got to explore post-death Ollie um, and Road to Jericho, obviously. Which death? The, <laughs> uh, yeah, which death exactly? Um, and Road to Jericho pretty much comes to the culmination of Judge Winnick's work that he's been doing over the past for, well, from 2003 to 2007. I believe so. It's four years that he's been stuck with the Arrow, and and it, it is getting to the point. I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me that it feels like it's naturally coming to a close now, in the sense that you know he's done it enough. We're starting to see cracks in his writing and in yeah. in his ways. He's treating each character, and we're starting to feel like yeah, this is a good time to wrap up quickly before it starts becoming like volume one of the new Fifty Two. So yeah, as as you pointed out with this or with this. Uh, um, paperback we're pretty much in the in the middle of the whole power play for for star city with oliver queen uh, being the mayor and he's going up for re-election again after people are not really too keen in how he's um playing out with everything and then obviously the year later uh, well the year that we're filling into is when he's back on the jungle with connor and mia and we learn about how they retrain and stuff like that with so swords. yeah with swords and like Differently, basically brings in so many different martial art experts and and crazy chefs that, that this, decide to tell him that things in shops are poisonous. To, <laughs> this brings me back to my point of Arrow wins. Last week was titled Arrow wins, and this is just him going. See, this is why he won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just it was mental, and it was a bit like it's almost as if Judge Winnick just wanted to do his own version of the island story, you know, and. We kind of like we we know what's going on here, and we know this is sort of a, a a rehash of it with the inclusion of his family, I suppose. At this point, mm. um, I mean, I mean, it's all right. I mean, it's it's the, the the contrast between the island and what's happened in the city is a nice a nice sort of contrast between the flashbacks. It was a bit over the top, but you know, we got a bit sort of you know it was a nice characterization of of Oliver Queen as he sort of went from just being the vigilante, a vigilante up to being politically active and politically interested. It was quite interesting to see how that sort of panned out. Uh, what did you think of going back to the island? Because I know you love year one and I was being quite intrigued to find out your opinion. I do love year one. I didn't think it was too bad, sometimes a bit over the top, but that's where Judd Winnick was headed with Arrow after uh, the last book. It was basically, he can do everything. Um, it wasn't told... 
I, I don't know. I, I like like the fact that Ollie's trained, right? But I, I don't want him trained to a Batman standard. If yeah. you know what I mean. That was always what I loved about Green Arrow was the fact that, you know, like he could be beat and like he was he, he would get beat, he would get his face smashed in, but then it would be like that final trick arrow that would get him away in yeah. time to sort of like lick his wounds. You would spend a couple of issues as he sort of when I say retrain, but just get together, i.e. heal, and then uh, go back out and, and take into effect that he'll come back with more um trick arrows. Um yeah. I see where you're coming from though, you know, as as you said last last episode green arrow always wins <laughs> and and now we're getting told how he won like in the previous like issue and it's like going bloody hell man like no wonder you're bankrupt now by spending all that money but... <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that did disappoint me in this is like i was enjoying remember the one shot that we kind of touched on that was uh roy and connor I, I liked that story and it seemed as if he had to wrap it up too quickly and we never got to finish up a lot of threads that was left with like the 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 supporting cast and he made them genuinely interesting and that's a good thing obviously but the fact that he never got to properly finish their stories in his run it kind of let me down a bit i think yeah especially that and also if people have been following the issues and have been following the trades you'll notice that there have been three or four issues that have been missed out and the reason behind that is, as, as you said, that's the time where he's introduced other side characters that you never really see in his main Green Arrow run, which is a shame because he wanted to find out more about the Connor and Roy relationship, you know? I mean, like, just like any family-centric um, storyline, there is the danger that everything just gets boiled over and, and it gets too convoluted for people to work out. But in saying that, though, he has done a fine balancing act and trying to tie things up you know with like you know me and connor are used really effectively within the storyline and the overall storyline as well and and the folk like roy and diana do show up but they show up in a very support role and they don't overshadow the main sort True. of storyline of road to jericho and even even batman shows up again and it's that most hysterical sort of uh conversation they have between each other about who fucked up their sidekick most (laughs) (laughs) and what was it i think i think batman was like oh i I didn't see i didn't see your sidekick blown up in a building (laughs) it's just like what yeah (laughs) batman had showed up in this one too i think red hood had targeted speedy yeah Uh, mia Mia, sorry well speedy in this yeah and batman had turned up to sterling city to help out and it's it's always nice seeing batman and ollie together because it's like you said a lot of people uh, you said if many episodes ago a lot of people compare them as the same character when they're together you can see they're completely not the same character yeah just like they're totally different in, in their opinions and outlooks to life as well you know you, that's when you really get to see the light-heartedness of ollie when he's up against like and that's when you realize how brooding and and like 17 episodes ago i did say the reason why i went to oliver was because batman was so brooding and when i found that out was when i read green arrow and was like oh my god i never realized how depressing batman can be and then when you see them side by side it's like holy crap so he is he's so brooding and like when you go back to batman after reading a whole load of green arrow for example like these this last 75 issues i've been sold in green arrow i picked up the most recent batman and robin uh, volume two and I, I read that and i was like man it's so dark the paneling is just you know very brooding and moody. it was still brilliant reads but at the same time you just want to get back into the nice color swathes of green arrow and the nice sort of quips and 
you know, a bit of a positive outlook in life. You know, even when Green Arrow was pretty much getting his arse kicked by Merlin, he still had some. It still felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas if it was Batman, you would just be super depressed. <laughs> yeah. Um. He also uh, made a proposal in this again, or for the first time, or for the well, first time in this life. It was the second time. The, remember the first time way back. I think it was back in like Straight Shooter or or um. It was, it was one of the very early Judge Winnick. But he got his he, diamond, wasn't it? He, yeah. Well, yeah. He yeah. It was during that when he got the diamond and he took um, Diana Lance to um, the uh, the restaurant and he's about to propose and then at the end he doesn't do it anyway and then immediately after he's shagging his best friend's niece but. It's just that's what you do after you decide not to propose, I suppose, you know. But I think it could have been seen as a way that um he wasn't ready, but this reincar reinc- reincarnation of Ollie was ready to marry Black Canadian. Yeah, but because we followed Oliver Queen now up to the point he did feel like he's ready now and I think everything that went through specifically f- between crawling through the wreckage and road to Jericho like dealing with Merlin, dealing with Deathstroke, having his city destroyed and rebuilding again. As you said, it literally is like another another sort of uh, reincarnation of Oliver Queen. He's almost kind of died twice in this one, using quotation marks in the sense that he didn't die a second time. He was almost dead. But, yeah. but you know, but he, he still made him look at life another way, which led to the culmination of him proposing to yeah. Dinah Lance, which also sets up the following arc which is not done by judge winnick this is it done and but um but yeah i mean what i what i also liked about um road to jericho and crawling with the uh, three records as well was the fact that he really gave a sense of like sinisterness to the likes of deathstroke merlin and and dracon you know he really did and and even with brick's sort of like uneasy friendship with oliver as well which also comes to like a crazy ass messy end but you know, like he really did know how to write Deathstroke, Merlin, and Dracon really, really well, and he took the time to make sure that they were as sinister as they could be, and they were a decent matchup for Green Arrow. And I mean, we all know Green Arrow always wins with Judge Winnick, but it still felt how sinister they came across. You kind of thought to yourself, "Well, wait a minute, maybe he can't do this," and then all of a sudden he does. But it was still really good, and I really liked how he's, they portrayed Deathstroke, specifically Deathstroke and Merlin too. I, I like the way he does Destro. The one that, well, we, um, what's his name was in it as well? Constantine, right? Now, I get confused. Is this Constantine as in Keanu Reeves? No, no, Reeves? no, no, no. No, not that no, one. no, no. This is this, um, uh, Constantine Dracon or Dracon, Dracon Constantine is a specific villain that was created. Um, a bit like Onomatopoeia was sort of created within the Judge Winnick storyline. Um, well, Onomatopoeia was created by Kevin Smith for yes. the second volume. Um, however, um, Dracon Constantine was created by Judge Winnick for his run. It was another sort of thing that he decided to invent. Now, Constantine, that we all know, is completely separate. He's a, a completely different thing. Doesn't really have any participation with Green Arrow at all. Uh, in all honesty, Alistair, I had exactly the same confusion as well when I first read out. When I saw Constantine, I was like, wait, hang on a minute. That makes literally no sense. No sense. And then I had to work it out. I was like, all oh, right, it's a different guy with the same name. How stupid can you get a name? With, with a, such a specific name as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just, oh. But, um, but still, though, he was quite cool. I like the master assassin guy who was quite smart. And having him up with those three absolute, like each of those vi- three villains has something to bring to the table 
uh, to, to sort of take down Green Arrow. And it was good to see Green Arrow and how it tied in with his martial arts training that year and, and how that was his reason behind beating everybody. It was quite cool. And obviously, Jason Todd Red Hill was a decent villain. Quite a lot of people that maybe had read Road to Jericho during the time it released, that might have been their first exposure to... Um, to Red to Jason Todd it certainly wasn't mine. However, I can understand why people might get quite intrigued by that side of things, and it was handled very well. You know, quite a complex villain too at it, so it's yeah. quite good. I mean, as you said, he did go over the top quite a wee bit of times, but he does know how to write a superhero book, which is the main thing, you know. And and the McDaniel Owens team up with the artwork was fantastic. I really enjoyed this kind of artwork. However, I kind of felt that maybe if um, if Hester came back, it might have been pushed it up a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I, I did enjoy it more than last week, so I'll give it that, to be honest. And it was a it nice was. kind of send-off. <laughs> uh, relieving more than anything else it's done. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, we're fit. Did you almost look above you for a, a real-life achievement for finishing? <laughs> I did, actually. When, I, when it dawned on me that it was 75 issues we've done since um, uh, over 17 episodes, I was like, Christ, that is an achievement for us. That's, that's quite decent. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a lot of reading. But yeah, I mean... Uh, to, to wrap up, for me, Road to Jer- Jericho was it, it was quite solid. It was a solid ending to such a... I mean, if you remember back when we first reviewed Quiver, we were so confused by what was going on up to the now. We, we now finally feel, and I hope you do feel the same, you finally feel an understanding as to, not only as to what Green Arrow is, but who Green Arrow is, is the main thing. Definitely. So, so, yeah, that was good. That's our Judd Winnick run from Kevin Smith um, done. Um, we're going to have an, a book that I'll announce in a minute uh, for next week that's going to break it up before we hit Arrow Volume 4, which is meant to bring the new 52 one into decent standards again. But, of course, we've got to rate this book. Ross, how many arrows out your quiver are you going to fire? I'm going to give this one a solid four arrows. It was a fitting end, and, and four arrows as well goes to the overall Judge Winnick um, storyline too. So, yeah, four arrows for me. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. Four for both. Judge Winnick gets a solid four, um, and this this book for this episode was a four as well. Um, fantastic overall run. Started slow in pace and going a bit wacky at the end, but, I mean... It was, it was his decision he wrote Arrow for four years so yeah well done Judd Winnick and well done anyone that's kept up with us um, next week Ross yep this is a wee special treat like I said Arrow Volume 4 is coming as planned and obviously we've got the Black Canary run if we wish um, yes uh, which, which follows Green Arrow Black Canary which follows this one next week there's a book called Batman Green Arrow Poison Tomorrow Oh, right, okay, yep, I know the one. I know the one you're talking about. I think, yep, okay, I think I can, yeah. Uh, I've seen it. I vaguely remember reading it. It may have been one or two beers after my usual night out, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm good for that one. That'd be quite good. I think it'd be a good way to discuss um, and finally put to rest why these two characters are not the yeah. same. Yeah, so, the same. So, good one, Alistair. Well, that's, that's a good choice for, for somebody who's finally getting into Green Arrow. I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah, because obviously there's the main ones we're going to cover, and I thought, oh, I might throw a wee curveball here, and Ross likes his Batman. We'd spoke about this book before, 
Um, I mean, I can get it to you to read, obviously. We'll talk about that later. Um, and it sounds good. So if any of the listeners want to read along, Green Arrow, Poison Tomorrow. Poison Tomato? No. Poison Tomato, Poison Tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Poison Tomato. Yeah. <laughs> I think it does involve gardens because it's Poison Ivy that's in it. So there you go. There's your seven I'm, degrees. I'm actually looking bacon. forward to this one. And there are, there are quite a lot of one-shot Green Arrows, like Identity Crisis, like Poison Tomorrow as well, that uh, we're hoping to be covering because now we've pretty much gone through the big section of Green Arrow. Um, and for those folk who are wondering about New 52, uh, the Volume 4 has just been released, so it's out there in Trade Paperback if you want to catch up with um, issues 17 to 23, I think it is. Um, 24. 24. Brand new writing and creative team that's on this one. Uh, this is where Green Arrow is gets better. Everyone has been telling everyone, it's been telling folk, if you want to read New 52 Green Arrow, you start in volume four, you ignore the first three volumes. So um, I'm looking forward to delving into that over the next couple of weeks. But before we get to that, Batman Green Arrow Poison tomorrow. Sounds fantastic. So yeah, please read along with us, like we said, and we'll move on anyway. Uh, we've got to do this week's episode which was titled Seeing Red. Now, before I juice myself all over it, Ross, take it away. <laughs> Seeing Red is good. It was an emotional roller coaster ride for anyone that's been following Arrow. I mean, this episode um, rivaled the season one finale in terms of emotions. It really did. And if that's the case, then I think that we're not going to be able to do a podcast for the season two finale because we'll just be too speechless. But anyway... Seeing Red had two sort of separate storylines running parallel. The first sort of major one was um, uh, seeing Roy, the Roy-centric material, which um, kind of followed him going crazy. He escaped from his wee sort of um, drug-induced coma and started wrecking havoc within, um, uh, within Starling City. And obviously on top of that, we had Oliver Queen and sort of the Slade thing going along as well. Also, there's quite a lot of stuff in Moira and the family and will she, won't she drop out the race of being mayor in order to spend a lot of time with her family. And it's quite a lot of mothering issues that are going through, which were heavily um, invoked in a flashback as well. Not an island flashback, surprisingly, but an actual flashback before Oliver went to the, uh, went to the island. So there's quite a lot going on and... Quite a lot led or culminated to the finale of the episode, um, which obviously, well, <laughs> I'm hoping you've seen it by now. Uh, yeah. Moira is um, is stabbed by um, by Slade in a sort of parallel um, choosing of who you'd want to kill that he, he faced um, on the island, yeah. which is quite an interesting <laughs> way that it was played out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was good. Uh, I mean, at first, the, the idea of just Roy sort of kicking about Stalin City, like, pumped up or uh, roided out on, on Mirakuru, uh, I just felt that maybe at this moment in time, in terms of how the build-up with Slade Wilson's going, I felt that that might have been far too much of a distraction and a bit of a letdown. Say that, see this Roy-centric stuff? If this was, like, five episodes ago... It would have been amazing, but the fact that this brought it so close to the finale, I felt it was a bit of a distraction. And in all honesty, I felt it was the weakest element of like of the episode. <laughs> I mean, we've already seen him wrestle his demons, and and you know, and and he the fact that he lost his demons, he kills a police officer, but then he ends up back to square one, back to where he was at the start of the episode. So it kind of felt a little bit pointless. Uh, however, of course, the whole idea of Moira 
uh, kicking back and um, uh, tackling her own demons with the fact that her past and trying to make amends with Thea, which obviously was quite harsh in the sense that she never really did get to make amends with Thea by the time of, of her untimely demise. Um, however, I mean... Yeah, I mean, she was quite more sympathetic, Moira. You know, I enjoyed the way she was, and I enjoyed her turn towards her looking out for her family more than herself. Um, I don't know if you noticed, Alistair, but there was that section in the limousine where she's like, there's something else I need to tell you about Merlin. And I was like, what's it going to be? And then <laughs> the car hits it, and we don't find out now. And yep. I was like, oh, my God, what? Yep. <laughs> I was just like down. And it was also like the realization when Moira and Thea realized that she that she knew who, who the vigilante was as well. And yeah. um, it was that was a brilliant moment, you know, the fact that she's known all along. And it kind of it kind of now makes um, Quentin Lance look even more stupid. <laughs> if even Moira fucking knows what's going on. Mind you, limping like that with your knee would like make anyone know who you are. Um, but no, it was still good. I mean, overall, I felt it was more an emotionally charged episode than just all-out action, which I feel that... It needed to address at this point before we. I'm assuming we're going to go into the all-out action, especially yeah, I, how the rumors yeah. are going around and stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I did, I do agree with you. As much I love Roy, I'd seen nothing wrong with this episode. <laughs> I um, I thought that it was going to turn out that Slade had injected him with something else to make him do that, and that would have tied it in. Unfortunately, they didn't. They didn't use that. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, it was all right. I just felt that the material they used in this episode would have served it a little bit better when around the Birds of Prey era. You know, when, when we were complaining that there was no sign of Roy and he disappeared off the face of the earth? See if it yeah. was at that period that we had this episode. Oh, I think it would have made a wee bit more sense. Um, however, unfortunately, um, it had to come into such a point where we were too busy focusing on the Slade Wilson versus Oliver Queen side of things that we just... I, I'm starting to sort of you know, let Roy go a little bit, you know, and, and not not in a bad way, just more the fact that I'd rather focus on this storyline than, than bother with Roy wrestling his demons sort of idea. And everybody um, else along the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, c- compared to, like, Tommy Merlin's death from um, from season one, um, I just, like, Moira Queens was just, just gut-wrenching knowing that you know in front of our son and daughter and the fact that we paralleled with what happened on the island as well is just going to be like the ramifications of this is just going to be interesting it's going to be interesting to see how how oliver is going to be able to suppress his um his past sort of killing spree in order to sort of you know approach slade wilson in a heroic way or will he go back to his sort of murderous way it's quite interesting to see how sarah lance was trying to deal with roy during the time as well and how the fact that oliver brought up the fact they're going oh you remind me of when i first came back from the island and that was an interesting thing because you could understand and sympathize with with sarah but then again you knew that that wasn't the right thing to do you know so uh, and obviously she's buggered off. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe to see her her former lover Nissa, or maybe she's just gone to calm down. I'm sure we're going to be finding out over the next couple of episodes. So, as you are a massive Roy fan, what was your overall opinion, Alistair? Finally, we get to see Roy. That's what I'm saying. Like, I do, I do see your points. Like, it would have fit in better when we were like, "Where's Roy? Where's Roy?" I loved seeing Roy going badass. I would like to see him focus it more, but I don't see how they're going to do it now. They've left themselves in kind of a a tangle. Like, if they'd put this instead of Birds of Prey 
and had Roy like rehabilitate himself so that he's ready to fight alongside Arrow rather than kind of rushing it in the last four weeks, you know, um, it would have felt more. It would have suited it more rather than oh he's better now, you know, which I think they're going to do, um, and I think he's going to the way he's going to restrain himself is like the last punch to Slade and just be like this is for Moira or something, you know, and. Because I can see Roy beating him. Well, it's going to take a team to beat him, but I can see Roy being the one to deliver like the final sort of blow. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. I don't think he'll kill him. He won't kill him. They can't kill him off, and he'll be back in season four. <laughs> oh, it has to be. Oh, I, I, I can see him come back in season three at some point. Oh, actually, yeah. uh, 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 another section to our, our episode chat, which will probably hit maybe towards the end. Uh, I have a theory about Slade as well, actually. Oh. Um, but anyway... Uh, uh, yeah, as you said with Roy, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to be able to integrate back into Team Arrow after this yeah. episode. That was another thing as well, like kind of going, he really did bugger things up, like killing <laughs> people. I know they've killed people before, but like killing like a police officer and, yeah. and you know, it's like he's going to be hunted now. And it's like, going, how are they going to integrate him back in, especially if, say, Sarah comes back? How's Sarah going to deal with the fact that this guy's like, you <laughs> he's going, my bad, Sarah. Sorry about that. Just one of these days. <laughs> it's like, yeah. is, is that how they're really going to like treat it? I mean, I'm Man's not saying it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, damn it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I felt that if, if it delved it in a little bit more and I mean, Thea was just maybe a little bit too hostile as well towards everyone in that episode, you know, um, I just didn't. I mean, it just didn't fit in well with it, with the timing. I think they got wrong with the Roy stuff. Uh, then again, though, I, I did like seeing Roy come back, and I did like seeing Roy utilize his powers a wee bit more. And and the fact that Abercrombie was like raging, like you know that sort of like he didn't need to say or do anything, and you just knew he was raging. It was was it was quite good. Um, yeah. Well, the, good. Other, the other thing in the episode, one of the big things before you go into your Deathstroke theory, which I've got a theory as well of what's going to happen. Um, we had a certain flashback, but it wasn't Island flashback. It was an extremely young Ollie, youngest we've ever seen him. And apparently he'd got his girlfriend at the time pregnant, and this is clearly pre-the pre the girls, <laughs> before he lanced the lances. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, no, he, he, he had lanced one of the lances, because remember... Yeah. Laurel Lance was um, was sitting with him and she was going, oh, you're all mopey. And he's like, oh, that's my way oh, I am. And then she yeah. left and then that's when he, he tells his mum that he's yeah. got this, got this girl knocked up like the wee slag yeah. he is. But it was still quite early, early Ollie. You oh, know? Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, it, I, I must say, the makeup department in CW or in oh, the Arrow yeah. team, I just commend them because Moira looks smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she did, yeah. And Ollie, like, he's, uh, Stephen Amo does a great job at sounding younger. I will say that for him. I mean, I can't make myself sound younger without sounding like an, a five-year-old or something, he's you know, like but... Kicking back with his Dawson Creek haircut as well. But I actually got a text... Um, uh, the missus watches 90210 apparently I'm old fashioned calling it Beverly Hills 90210 but um, she watches the new one it was Beverly Hills but now apparently it's just 90210 mm, yeah I was like alright calm down you know she was like okay grandpa and I was like shut up but Stephen Ammo Stephen Ammo appeared in it so I said 
wow, still not enough to watch it. You know? <laughs> I know, yeah. So, okay, for that one episode, maybe, yeah. just just to see how close the makeup department was in portraying a young Stephen Apple. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, 9021 was pretty recent, but yeah, younger. But anyway, he announced that this girl was pregnant. Now, Moira tried to pay off this girl and wrote her a cheque for a million dollars. Something tells me this child is not, um, she's not got rid, we'll say. Nope, and she's buggered off the central city to raise the child without knowing his father. Now, if people have been paying attention to our Judge <laughs> Winnick comic book storyline, they'll know about Connor Hawk, which brings into an interesting, um, a- an interesting play. Like, I don't think CW or the Arrow writers would introduce such a key flashback and a subplot without having it you know, without it meaning something, yeah. you know, like, I mean, so. I mean, like we've, we've seen like hints to other things in, in the universe, you know, for example, like we've seen like, well, obviously we, before Flash was announced as a TV show, we saw, we heard of Central City, we've heard of Blue Taven, you know, we, we've heard of like all these other different, um, Cord, I, Cord, Cord Industry, Cyrus Gold, but, the, but the, nothing, none of them has been so explicit as having a specific, like there was no Wiling flashbacks. That was the flashback, and and obviously it showed how much Moira would do it in order to keep her children safe and understand that side of things. But the way that they really focused on this, um, on his yeah. bastard child, was was an interesting um, bastard. Child. And then, well, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's a bit too harsh. Uh, no, but, but it is, yeah, that's maybe, the correct term. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, which which brings me to the fact that I reckon this was the writer's way of introducing Connor Hawk. Now, oh, obviously. Yeah. We're not going to see the adult Connor Hawk. Um, uh, he'll be six or seven, I think six, six or seven years old with the way their timeline works out. Well, but... it depends because he was with Sarah for about a year before he went on the boat. Then he was in the island for five years. So that's six at least. So he, by the time he appears, if he doesn't appear for a couple of seasons, depending on the time gaps, because was there not a year or several months between season one and two, he could show up kind of teenage year. Could be. It, it could be maybe like a, a Mia type thing they could mm-hmm. work in uh, and see how that rolls. Because obviously Central City will be playing a major part in the CW DC universe with obviously the Flash TV show. So it'll yeah. be quite interesting to see if maybe that name or the Connor Hawk name oh, might, yeah, appears yeah, in Flash. might appear in Flash. And it's sort of that's a wee alluding to what could happen. And now, here's, here's how I see them coming back, Ross. Go on then. Well, Moira's been dead. Right, Moira's been killed. Moira's been dead. Oh, what a mm-hmm. child! I'm not trying to be young. <laughs> Moira's killed. So now there's no reason for her to stay away and act like she's away. You know, she can come back now and say to Ollie, "Here's your son, Connor." And I really hope that he is a young child and he's like the Damien Wayne to Oliver Queen, and he's just a little asshole to him. That would be, be so, so badass. So yeah, that would be awesome. That, that actually would be quite good. Or what even better would be like if Connor Hawk gets into trouble in the Central City and meets like uh, Barry Allen. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that Damien Wayne route would be quite an interesting sort of um, uh, contrast between an Oliver Queen and, and Connor Hawk. The theory I had in mind was yeah. we've seen flashbacks, haven't we, through yeah. the last two seasons of thing. What about a flash forward? Now, bear with me here. A flash forward to an older Oliver Queen, maybe in season five. And it turns out that this has been a How I Met Your Mother five seasons where they're meeting 
No, no, no. Listen, they're meeting Deathstroke for one for again because he's not actually died. Like what they, they, he thought he'd killed him, and then it turns out that Connor Hawk is about to face up with him. And Oliver Queen, being the old, the older sort of wiser guy, goes, "Oh, I'll tell you how we took down Deathstroke." And then this could be a flash forward into the future, and we could see a glimpse of a goateed older Stephen Amell with a younger blonde-haired version of himself ready to take down a very old Slade Wilson with all grey hair rather yeah. than black hair. Oh, you know, like be... Silver Fox movie. I mean, I know it's not going to work that way, but that would be absolutely hilarious if season five was the flash forward. <laughs> like, that's yeah, awesome. We're treading in lost territory a bit too much there. <laughs> lost in, lost in, and like, how I met your villain would be like... Yeah. <laughs> how I met was... your villain... <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but still, I, I actually prefer your version now that I've like explained mine verbally. <laughs> it's, it's sounded good in my head. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, it totally would be like some crazy ass thing like that. But uh, but still, the Damien Wayne side of things would be yeah. quite interesting. And and as I said, I think that there's no way that they would have put such a such a mainstay flashback in this episode and not develop. <laughs> Here, here's a baby. further way to make him a version of Damien Wayne. What if? Now, what if? Marlon. Marlon Monroe. Fucking hell, Ali. Marlon Monroe? Marlon Monroe? What? Malcolm. Malcolm. I know John Barrowman is a queen, but not that much of a queen, you know. Malcolm <laughs> Merlin, right? <laughs> Finds out about Connor's existence, okay? Bear with me. Mm-hmm. Takes him into the. League of Assassins. I'm forgetting everything tonight. I've not even been drinking. <laughs> the League of Assassins, right? And it totally sets up a sort of Damien personality. So he gets brought back, you know, and he's just this little asshole that thinks he knows best. And what if the secret about uh, Merlin that uh, Moira was going to tell him in the car was the fact that he has Ollie's son, which would have tied Ooh. in with the flashback side of things in that oh, episode too. Yeah. And it turns out that that maybe he is literally going to be this like asshole Damien Wayne who's been <laughs> growing up, and maybe Merlin's taking this son as sort of punishment from uh, yeah. uh, to Moira and obviously Ollie when he gets for older. Fear. Yeah. For, for keeping fear, yeah. For keeping fear, yeah. It's like you've kept my daughter. I'll so take. Us, I'll take your yeah. grandson. grandson. So yeah. So I'm he's calling. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still like that. How I Met Your Villain, though. I could see a spin-off. <laughs> how I Met Your Villain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love it just to see a silver-haired uh, Deathstroke like, back from the dead almost, you know? And But then again, I mean, this is only one, two seasons out of five. There might be other villains out there, but it still would be hilarious if there was a flash-forward with Connor Hawk fighting Deathstroke and he refers back to season two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap things up in the episode there. Safe to say we're always looking forward to the next one. Ross, did you have a Deathstroke theory or was that your Deathstroke theory? That was my Deathstroke theory, right. I'm afraid. <laughs> it's a bit different. I think I, I, I was... Sorry, on you go. Uh, I was, I, I, what I was going to say is, here's my thing with Deathstroke. He kind of gets redeemed in prison or acts redeemed and gets integrated into the Suicide Squad and Diggle's next time with them. Slade comes out and goes... Hello, Diggle. <laughs> that was the best accent I've heard. Hello, Diggle. Is it like now? He's like, he's going right, to bring peace. Oh, we're not. We're going to recast Deadpool with Danny Dyer. <laughs> <He's>... 
He stands Hello, up. Diggle. <laughs> Get out of my pub. <laughs> that could be. A, a, I would love to see. Uh, say spin off anyway, but I would love to. I would like to see that sort of maybe. As you said, we've already said we don't think Royal kill. Um, uh, Slade, and I don't think Ollie will kill Slade. So it'd be quite funny if he was in custody, and one of the final shots could be a, a reminiscent of the Suicide Squad shot, where it's like, oh, uh, says the death, like uh, Deadshot, you have a new member in your team, and then you just see like Deathstroke coming out with like you know super massive handcuffs on him or something. It would super be quite massive. an interesting. Like yeah, super massive. Yeah, not that's not just official, massive. Super yeah. massive. Official measurement over massive. Yeah, super massive. <laughs> um, but yeah, some that would be quite interesting to see. And then, uh, but yeah, I, I like the fact that Diggle might have to deal with them later on down the line because Suicide Squad might pop up maybe season three or four. Um, now, did they, did they, what's her face? Uh, not Oracle. Is that call her? <laughs> Felicity. Felicity. The, not the non-Oracle. Did, know, she, yeah. uh, did she not uh, tell us, was Diggle's first name? Did she not call him, what's his name? Is it Christopher Craig? I was about to say Andy, but then that's a write-up. It's, it's Andy <laughs> is, Diggle. Is, is, is it John Diggle? No, can't be John. I don't know. Did she? Hang on a minute. Like... John. I'm sure she said she called him by a name and like Tasha was even like, oh, so not even Diggle anymore. She thought those two are going to get it on, like Felicity and Diggle. Nah, no way. They're like a sort of good friends. Like a no, that's oh, it's it's John Diggle. That's his name, John Diggle. Oh, it is. She must have said John to... at some point. I got yeah, John, John, John Diggle. Yeah, that's his name. Um, you know where I get Christopher from? <laughs> I don't believe we knew that. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe we didn't know that. Considering we've been doing it, and we've been following this for so long. Uh, but yeah, John Diggle um, is his full name, and I, I don't know Felicity John Diggle. Uh, nah. Would it be called Fleggle? Fleggle? <laughs> you know, if they... <laughs> Let's get down some Fleggle Wiggle. <laughs> Deathstroke would just be like, get out of my pub or I'll make you suffer. <laughs> get out of my pub, Fleggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Possibly not, no. We're, start, we're starting to slip our, slip our yeah. way down a, a slippery, a fleggly so we'll, slope. We'll, we'll, we'll have fleggly slope. No. <laughs> Can't even speak. I know. Oh. Bring it back. Breathe. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we'll move off of the hilarity, and Ross is going to touch briefly onto Connor Hawk. Not that way, since we've just discussed him being a child, but he's going to discuss the actual character. Yeah. um, Just uh, obviously, as we were discussing there about um, uh, about the the child that uh, in Arrow is obviously we assume or alluding to Connor Hawk. There's no other person that it could be i thought it would be quite interesting to sort of delve into Connor Hawk, considering we have dealt with him for 75 issues too so i mean there isn't really much to say about Connor Hawk, and i was a wee bit 50 50 about doing this because you should all know who Connor Hawk is by now anyway you know it's not like a new person or anything at all however to, to sort of like just summarize of him Connor Hawk was obviously the son of green arrow um at first, you learned that he'd never met Green Arrow, and Green Arrow never knew about him. Was the way it was sort of pulled out of it. Uh, he was taken to a, a Buddhist monastery where he trained up on um, sort of like uh, meditation and training, and then he became sort of a master of martial arts. Uh, and then he became a martial marksman and archer when he found out who his dad was, and he decided to take on the mantle of Green Arrow too, or the new Green Arrow, sort of his running. 
And then his dad comes back from the dead, which in all honesty would fuck up any kid if you find out your dad came back from the dead, I suppose. The you same know, age and then <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. It would be even worse. So, you know, he, he kinda came back in and he sort of teamed up with his dad and he sort of like shift worked Star City for quite a while. And uh, and I've obviously this is us picking up and what we've just read and finished with George Winnick. And um as it's, it's really more just to sort of give everyone a quick summary. And the reason why we think it's going to be quite interesting for Arrow to include that, um, especially considering that um, the family difficulties that we've experienced with Judge Winnick, when it's Green Arrow and Connor Hawk, it'd be quite interesting to see if Arrow brought in something like that, even if it is a young Connor Hawk at first. It'd be interesting to see if they bring in that same sort of family idea. Um, he is actually a really good character. I actually preferred him as the new Green Arrow uh, to Oliver Queen. Um, yeah. I just liked the way that he had a very more zen approach to everything. And he just seemed quite good. I think it's because he was almost, he was a mirror of the younger Green Arrow, you know, rather than the older the older Green Arrow that ended more up getting blown up in the plane. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more than that. But then obviously we found ourselves going back to the, the original Green Arrow through Judge Winnick's thing. And, and Connor has really come into his own as well. He's, he's sort of like the, the balance in in uh, Oliver Queen's uh, life. He's almost like one of those guys that's like, like a dad's best friend rather than a son, more than that. And obviously he treats Mia Dearden as more of a... Um, a sister as well and um he is a generally cool cool guy and, and i mean i'm kind of repeating everything we've been talking about over the past 17 episodes of Connor hawk uh, but it's really just to give everyone an idea of uh, why it's really interesting and really intriguing that the writer specifically brought this baby um idea yeah. to the tv show you know and i mean obviously he connor was a major part of oliver queen's life um pre new 52 and it'll be interesting to see how this um, how this pans out in the uh, in the TV show. So that's really about it for me uh, on the my character description. Again, if anyone has any other character descriptions, please do. We're kind of getting to the point in the TV show now where we're not really getting any new characters introduced because we're all kind of settled with everything that at all. So I'll be more than happy to cover other characters. Hopefully. Um, our comic book next week, Poison Tomorrow, will introduce a couple of characters we can cover. So, uh, yeah, get us get us in touch over Twitter and Facebook and all that. So, yeah. Okay, That's so it. we are going to have to finish up, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Arrow was actually on tonight, believe it or not, uh, showing in yep. the US of V, which we'll be covering hopefully this Sunday, I think. Maybe this Sunday. Uh, so- Sunday, Monday, definitely. Yeah, cool. Um, so, Ross, what would you like to plug tonight? Uh, just my usual. <laughs> you can catch up uh, with all things SCR over our website, starlingcityradio.tk. You can always find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, at Starling Radio, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. We're also now part of the Comics Podcast Network and we're still part of the All Games Network where you can hear us on Friday night before our good friends over at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. The reason I'm I'm plugging them tonight is because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting quite exciting. So um, feel free to follow them on Twitter at twitter.com, well, cast of S.H.I.E.L.D., at cast of S.H.I.E.L.D. and facebook.com forward slash Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. If you're a Marvel fan and also like Arrow and you want to check out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're quite a good crack. Um, their podcast is quite interesting too. And um, yeah, that's basically all I have today. 
Cool. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, just like Russ said, on Twitter and on Facebook, find us, love us, send us questions, pester us, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong. We want to hear yeah. it all. Please we do. do. And um, yes, starting next Tuesday and once a month, usually the first week of every month, first Tuesday of every month, I think, um, we're going to be doing Comic Book 101, which will be broadcast live at 11 to 12 uh, British time at uh, night. And it will be covering comics once a week, and it will be myself and Ross as part of the team, and you can hear Andy, Fraser, and Nelson. And this week, Ross, you chose a book. What did I, you choose? I did, yes. Sorry, throwing it back. Didn't realise it was live, but still. Uh, yeah, uh, we are covering Saga, which is a independent comic, well, a, um image comic. Uh, it's been getting quite a lot of popularity over the last year and a half. So I decided to pick that out rather than stick with our usual DC Marvel stuff. And it's a very good thing. People have um, compared it to Game of Thrones. It's crossed with Star Wars. So if you're into comic books in general, please um, please get us live on Comic Book 101. So Yeah, yeah. that'll be good fun. And uh, yeah, you can obviously hear 42 Level 1 every Tuesday with myself, Andy and Fraser, and sometimes Ross, uh, depending on work schedules. It's the game show. We talk video games and just general banter. That's usually my most drunk show, to be honest. Um, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Um, so we're going to finish up with a quote. And I, f- I felt a sort of mystical sounding quote would be best, Ross, since this is covering <sighs> the end of Judd Winnick's era. Take it away. <clears throat> well... Here we are under a sky full of stars, the majesty of the mountains surrounding us, and just a few miles away in a sleepy little town, some lucky guys eating a pizza and watching Madonna on VH1. <laughs> just like a pra. Okay, so <laughs> that was awesome. We will see you on the next episode. So thanks for listening and send us your questions. Bye, folks. <laughs> Thank you.